Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. I want you to grab your Bibles if you can. I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 14 through 26. 1 Samuel 23, verse 14 through 26. And hopefully you can keep up with me a little bit as we physically read the Bible this morning. Um, Walked in this morning, as Moses said, and the projector wasn't working. Seemed to be working fine on Thursday on our worship night. And then we walk in this morning and we didn't have a 12 foot A-frame ladder to hit the reset button. So we're going to have to wait until next Sunday. So bear with us for the technical difficulty. Um, I thought to myself, the Lord kind of rebuked me this morning. I was a little frustrated at first. And then I thought that there was a whole gathering in Africa in a field somewhere, not even under any cover from the son who is being ministered the word of God to, and they've walked for miles from the bush. So I think that we can handle Uh, one morning without a projector. Amen? Amen. So, suffering for Jesus. (laughs) 1 Samuel 23, verse 14. And it says this, And David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness. Say the wilderness. He remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him, King Saul, sought him every day, but God did not deliver David into his hand. So David saw that Saul, tongue twister, had come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, do not fear. For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father, Saul, knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. Then the Ziphites came up to Saul at Geba, saying, David is not hide- is David not hiding with us in the strongholds in the woods, in the hill of Forgive me for these words. I may not be pronouncing them absolutely correctly. Hekila, which is on the south of Jeshurun. So therefore, O, come, o king, come down according to the desire of your soul and part, and we shall deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have had compassion on me. Please go and find out for sure and see the place where he's hiding out. And when you have seen him, Basically, let me know when you've seen him. For I am told that he is very crafty. See, therefore, and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides and come back to me with certainty, and I will go with you. And it shall be, if he's in the land, that I will search out for him. So he arose and went to Ziph before Saul. And David and his men were in the wilderness of Moan, almost done, And then the plain of the south of Jeshurun, when Saul and his men went to seek him, they told, they told David, therefore he went down to the rock. Everybody say the rock and stay in the wilderness of Moan. And when Saul heard it, he persuaded, he pursued David. He pursued David in the wilderness of Moan. 
Then Saul went on one side of the mountain and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. So David made haste to get away from Saul for Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them or kill them. What was staggering to me about this scripture is that David wrote the book of Psalms. Somebody say Psalms. And David coins this specific scripture as he's hiding in the wilderness and in the strongholds where he was staying at as he's running for his very life from King Saul. King Saul has become entrenched with jealousy, wanting to kill David. David has now been anointed as king. King Saul knows he's going to be replaced by David. So Saul's anger is burning and enraged against David. Saul has turned his back on God and he's attempting to kill David. So David is running for his life for many, many years. And this is what David coins as he's writing in the strongholds where he's at in the wilderness. In Psalms 91.1, he says this, he who dwells in the secret place, everybody say secret place, of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. Now this verse staggers me because David is literally pinning this down as he's running for his life from King Saul. And I thought to myself, This man is hiding in a cave in these sweet psalms that minister to people weekly. And most, due to statistics, the the book of Psalms is read more than any other book in the Bible. And so this man's life is being threatened, and yet he's writing down things that say, like, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And so I started thinking to myself, my peace is not dictated on by where I'm at physically. My peace is determined on where I'm at internally, inside. Amen? So I thought to myself, David has achieved a level of a secret place in the Lord that's a difficult place to enter into, especially when you're running for your life. When all hell is breaking loose in his life. So I have a question I want to pose to everyone in this room this morning. Where do you run when you're going through it? Who do you run to when you're going through it? Where do you go when it seems that all hope is lost in your life? Where do you go when it seems like you have trouble on every side? Where do you go when it seems like your prayers are remaining unanswered day after day, week after week, and year after year? I want to minister from a subject called the secret place this morning. Everybody say secret place. Most people try to fight their way out of their problems, and some people see no point in really pursuing God or finding that secret place in him. But there are promises in God's word that he gives, and there's about five of them that I want to highlight this morning to that person who decides to pursue God come hell or high water and develop a secret place in him to where the enemy cannot touch you. Amen. Everybody say secret place. So one of these promises, the first one I want to highlight this morning is when you develop that private place with God, when you develop that secret place with God, he promises you peace. 
Everybody say peace. Now, I'm becoming more and more bothered at the fact as I've been exposed to quote-unquote church for about 17 years, I'm staggered at the fact of how many people come into church Sunday after Sunday, week after week. They show up to prayer meetings. They line up in the prayer lines. They speak in tongues. They walk with the Lord. They read their Bible, and yet they lack peace in their life. And yet God promises in his word in Psalms 91 that when you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That speaks of peace. Anybody need peace this morning? Y'all aren't, y'all aren't talking to me. Anybody need peace this morning? When I look at the world, we, we, we look at people who are pursuing money or careers and we call them greedy. We see people who live promiscuous lifestyles and they seek out relationships or people who are her, are pursuing their careers and they want to climb to the top of the ladder but but really they're not really seeking fame or power or money or relationships or sex they're what they're really looking for is peace we're all endless effort each day and each week not pursuing things we're really pursuing something called peace And that's what one thing that God promises in his word, excuse me, he promises in his word is peace to those who fear him. Peace to those who pursue him. And when you choose, not just when you choose, but when you put in effort to find that secret place in God, he promised that you will have a peace that surpasses all understanding. It means your mind will not be able to wrap around why you're so at peace, even though you're going through it. Amen? Amen? I love this scripture in in Isaiah for your reference. It's in chapter 26 of Isaiah and it's verse 23 and it says this, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So one way to hide in the secret place is to intentionally fix your mind on God. I want you to nudge your neighbor. Don't nudge him too hard. They might be aggravated at me right now. I want you to say, be intentional about putting your mind on God. This is where the enemy attacks us most is in our thought life. But did you know that you can be a busy stay-at-home mom with four kids and still keep your mind on God? Did you know that you can spend eight hours a day doing sales in a cubicle and still keep your mind on God? Did you know that you can struggle in paying your bills and still keep your mind on God? Did you realize that you could have trouble everywhere, your prayers unanswered, you being in a place of frustration, God doesn't seem to be moving, and you can still be at a place of peace with God and as you keep your mind on him? The, he didn't promise that you wouldn't go through trouble. As a matter of fact, he promised that you did. But what he did promise, he promised that he'd keep you, keep you in perfect peace if you would choose to keep your mind on him. Say, keep your mind on him. Amen. I've heard it said like this. All sin is, is a legitimate desire being fulfilled in illegitimate ways. I'm gonna say that again. I've heard it said that Sin is legitimate desire, say desire, desires being fulfilled in an illegitimate way. And the greatest thief of peace is believing the lie that things will satisfy you. Things will never satisfy you. 
We are built to be containers of God. We're built to walk with God, built to commune with God, built to hear from God. And so when we live lifestyles that are, out, that are outside of God's plan, you are promised no peace. As a matter of fact, all your peace will be stolen. And so we live our lives trying to accumulate things and relationships and buy new cars and new pair of shoes. If, have you ever thought to yourself, if I could just get here, I'll feel perfect peace. I'm gonna be honest with you. I thought to myself for 17 years, if I could, if I could just reach the six-figure mark, I would be at peace. I finally hit it a couple years ago. I don't get paid to pastor, so no, your money doesn't go. Not one dime of your money goes to me. Let me say that first. I finally hit the six-figure mark. My company hit over a half a million dollars for this small little company. I was making six figures. In the very same year, I was as frustrated as I could ever be. Because things will never satisfy. When you're built by, when you're designed by God, you have a God-given DNA. He knows exactly what will satisfy us. And one of those ways that you get satisfied and reach a level of peace is when you come to a place where you're able to keep your mind on him and him alone. So we have to stop believing in the lie that things will ultimately give us the peace that is needed. And so when we develop that secret place, one of God's promises is that he will give you perfect peace. Not just peace, he said perfect peace. Amen? It says in, um, in the word of God that for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, joy, peace, and the Holy Spirit, meaning peace is not obtained externally. Peace is obtained internally, uh, an abiding peace that's not of this world. Amen? I, I want to I bring this scripture up. I'm going through a lot of scripture. I'm taking advantage of the screen not working. So I'm going to dump a lot of scripture on you, if that's okay with you. And you can write it down for your reference, or you can go there with me. It's in Luke 5, verse 15 through 16. And it says this, however, the report of Jesus went around concerning him all the more, meaning due to his miracles and the signs and the wonders that he was doing. And it says, a great multitude came together to hear him and to be healed of him by their because of their infirmities. And I underline this. It says, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. I thought to myself, Jesus had the revelation that he would not obtain ultimate peace by fulfilling the demands that were put on his life. He could only receive peace by spending time with God. People think that they can achieve this peace by knocking off the checklist and the to-do list. Let me ask you something. Have you how many times have you finally got through your checklist only to find on that checklist something else to do? Because there's always something to do. The phone will always ring. Facebook never stops. Text messages never stop. And you can never achieve ultimate peace by checking it off the list. Jesus had this revelation that I'm never going to satisfy the people because the demands are never going to stop. So the thing that he did is, is it says in the word of God that he withdrew often to pray. And so my encouragement to you is don't focus on what you have to do. That's not the way that you achieve peace. You achieve peace by getting alone with God. I have found out in my young 
34 years of age that I can get much more done in resting in the Lord than I can in my own abilities. All the demands that go on with me throughout the week, I have found out that I achieve the most peace and I'm at the place of most ease and comfort and ebb and flow when I spend time with God. And those times that I'm frustrated and I feel over, over, overused and, and just burdened, I am trying to meet the demands of all the people. But when I meet his need to be worshiped, the people get the best parts of me and I'm at a place of peace. Number two, Number two, he promises protection. Protection. Everybody say protection. In Proverbs 18.10, is this good this morning? Is this okay? In Proverbs 18.10, it says this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are safe. Have you ever compared yourself to some of your friends or family members and sometimes family members that you wish weren't your family members? Oh, you're the only one. Pray for me after service. Have you ever realized, have you ever noticed or ever maybe even thought to yourself, why does she or why does he always have something going on wrong? Why are they always going through it? Why are they never able to pay their bills? I can understand one month or two months. Why are they always sick? Why is their body always in pain? Why are they always making problems for themselves? Have you ever thought that? Am I the only one who's thought that about a friend or a family member? Like, why are they always going through and having issues? That's because the child of God has a special protection, a divine protection over their lives, meaning a child of God should not go through all the time. A child of God who trusts in God, who's found the secret place with him, who dwells under the shadow of the Almighty, is promised divine protection. I'm going to share, I've never publicly shared my testimony, ever, and I'm not going to today but I'm going to give you a glimpse of where I came from. I always have felt this urge to pursue God. Always. I can remember as a little boy. But I made a lot of poor decisions because of where I grew up. I remember my mom coming in the room and opening the Bible. I'm going to try not to cry this morning. But she would, um, I just remember red letters in this little bitty Bible. I lived in the Pine Hills area, and I don't know if you've ever driven through Pine Hills. Roll up your windows and make sure you're carrying Mercy Drive and all of that. There's no mercy there at all. Um, but just to give you a glimpse um, of the way that we grew up, um, it was a lot of crime there. And I cannot count on one hand how many times our house been shot up. I can't, I've been shot at, I've been, a lot of things happened to me. Uh, most of my friends are literally dead, serving life sentences, or currently in prison. One of them is serving 44 years right now. The other one was just in his driveway. We were kids. He's 17, and they pull up and they shoot him in the face. I grew up around this type of environment, drugs, alcohol, you name it. And one day I'll tell you guys my entire testimony and how God visited me. But I have always felt a certain divine protection over my life. Always. 
I've always felt this strange sense of God in my life. Always. I, I've never been able to shake it. As a matter of fact, I would get mad at God. Leave me alone. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be bothered. I want to live in sin. I would try, try to go out and do bad things that, that all the other guys were doing. I grew up around all older guys. None of them were my peers. I, I, I grew up around a lot of older people. And it was as if God would always close the door on Donnie Smith. He would never allow me to fall into these same lifestyles. And now I see the reason why. It's because there was a divine protection. And when you find that secret place in God, you are promised divine protection over your life. Meaning what happens to others who are not in the secret place should not happen to you. The things that happen to others should not happen to you. The places that they find themselves in due to their lifestyles, the child of God should not find themselves in that same place because you are promised divine protection from God Almighty. Amen? I want to read this other uh, verse to you, and it says this. It says this in Daniel, Daniel chapter 3. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he, rose with, he arose with haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we, did we not cast these three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered him, saying, O king, look. He answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the fourth one is like the Son of God. This specific story that I just wrote, uh, read to you is about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to bow their knee to the king. And so what the king did, because they wouldn't bow down and worship him, he threw them into a fiery furnace, and he says he put it seven times hotter than normal. But these guys came out with divine protection. The, the Bible says that they were protected so much by the Son of God while they were in that fire physically that when they came out, they didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. Because when you're a child of God and you have divine protection over your life, things that burn other people should not burn you. I have come out of some things in my life that I do not look like where I came from. I do not look like I came from Pine Hills. I do not look like I've been shot at. I do not look like I have grew up around drugs. I don't look like that because when you come out of something, God can clean you up so good when his divine protection is over your life, you will not look like where you came from. Just like the turtle. He's always called to the water. I was always called to the water. I was born in dirt, but I was called to the water. I was called to the deeper things of God. And just because you're born in the dirt doesn't mean you have to become of the dirt. Amen? Because when God has a call on your life, he will create divine protection over you where the enemy cannot touch you because no weapon formed against the believer shall prosper and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And just because you came from something doesn't mean you have to remain in that very same thing, especially when you have the divine protection and the backup from heaven to preserve you. Amen? God doesn't promise, and he didn't promise Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He didn't promise them they weren't going to be in the fire, but he promised to preserve them from the fire. And you may have gone through some job loss this year, maybe this month, but he's preserved you. You may have been divorced. You may be going through a divorce. You may be listening by Facebook or podcast. You may be going through something right now, but God has preserved you and is preserving you because his promise to the believer is divine protection. You may have not had the greatest upbringing, but he's protected you. 
You may not have the greatest mom. You may have not had the greatest dad. You may have been hurt. You may have been portrayed. But because you're a child of God, his promise is to protect you. And the Bible says that he will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So you can hang your hat on that. Amen? That God will always be with you and never leave you or forsake you. Third, he promises the person who finds the secret place with him, like David, he promises provision. Say provision. I thought to myself, David, I thought to myself, I thought to myself, I thought to myself, <laughs> David is hiding in the strongholds. Now, do you guys, can you picture, I want you to picture this. How many can use their mind's imagination? Can, use your mind really quick. A stronghold is a, 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 a hewn out hole in the side of a mountain. He's in a cave. I don't even know if they had candles back then. He stays in the wilderness, I think somewhere close to 15 years he's running from Saul. And yet he doesn't starve. His shoes doesn't wear out. He's got 400 men with him. He's got a whole army of troops with him. And yet God preserves him while he's in the cave. The believer who decides to make God their stronghold and their fortress that child, that man, that woman will always be provided for and lack no good thing. Now, I didn't say you might not struggle. I didn't say that. I said you will lack nothing. His shoes didn't wear out. His clothes didn't wear out. He was always provided for because God promises provision to the believer who trusts in him and makes him their refuge. Amen? It says in Psalms, it says, in Psalms 1, uh, verse 1 and three, one through 3, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, God's law, he meditates day and night. Everybody say day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its due season. Watch this. Whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Notice where this tree is. It's planted by the rivers of living water. I want you to notice what David is saying here because this is in Psalms. This is David quoting that. He's in a, he's in a cave saying he's planted by the rivers of living water. He's in a cave. I don't know about you. I don't know many caves. Some caves have water, I guess. But the cave that he's describing is in a mountain. It says a mountain. So generally, if you're high and high in altitude and in the side of a mountain, there's generally not any water. And David is saying, whoever is planted by the rivers of living water, his, his, his leaves will never wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. I want you to notice something. He's planted by God. So the key to your provision is hinged on your proximity to God. When I see someone struggling, I wonder their proximity. It's not a matter of, is God going to fulfill his promise? The, the question is, is, what is your proximity to God? Are you a tree planted kind of by God? Are you a Sunday Christian or, or do you have proximity? Have you developed a secret place with God? Because one of his promises to you and to me and to all of us in this room is that when you get close to God, you develop a secret place, you will have provision for whatever vision it is that you have for life. Amen? Number four, passion. He promised passion. Everybody say passion. This famous scripture 
This one thing that I've desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. That's Psalms 27. Mind you, these scriptures that I'm quoting, this is David quoting them in the side of this mountain and in this stronghold. A time when he should have felt absolutely alone and forsaken. I want to remind you that David, for 15 years, had to wonder why God wasn't working. He had been anointed by Saul to become king, and he's running for his life. And so, one thing he's giving, given David as he's in this cave is a passion to be close to God. I love what it says in the, in the Passion Translation. Listen to this. It says this. Here's the one thing I crave from God. Oh, it's so beautiful. Here's the one thing I crave from God, the one thing I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house, finding the sweet loveliness of his face, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in every prayer. Amen? I love that. So that's telling me the closer you get to God, the more the things of this world grow dim. And the more I spend time with him, the bigger he gets and the more intimate we grow with him. I remember as a young man, people used to wonder how long I was going to stay passionate for the Lord because I used to be really crazy for the Lord. Like, I was a little wild, maybe a little bit too much. And they thought to themselves, and people would say that, give it a year and you'll, you'll simmer down. Your zeal will begin to diminish. Well, that first year passed. And then I got into the second year, into the fifth year. And then I got to the eighth year, into the 10th year. And now I'm into 17 years and I am more impassioned for God. I'm more on fire. I'm more hungry than I've ever been because you know what? Once you get close to God, you think you get to know him and then he shows you another side of himself. So he's not like your spouse that you've been for. Oh Lord Jesus, let me not just talk about this for just a second. Can I just touch this for a second? You know how when you first started dating, you were so interested, you washed your car, you prepped yourself. You wore, you know, a nice collared shirt, a polo one. Look at now, you're wearing t-shirts. Look at you. Because when you get to a certain level in your relationship, it seems like the zeal for them almost fizzled because you feel that you've got to know everything about them. Ladies, I want you to look at your husband and say, you don't completely know me yet. <laughs> I don't completely know her yet, but I'm getting to know her. But here's the thing about God is that it would take eternity for you to get to know everything about him because he's always changing in a good way. The Bible says he never changes. What I mean, he shows you a different side of himself. He never changes in character, but it takes a lifetime because to us, because we're human, he always has something else to reveal about himself to you. And so that keeps us more impassioned for him, more in love with him, discovering new depths in God. I've been through seasons where I have lacked financially and God has broke through some way. And so I got to learn him as provider. There's been times in my life, and I was single for most of my life. I know that's hard to believe, but I really was. I'm just kidding. No, I really was single for most of my life. I couldn't get a girlfriend for nothing. I don't know why. It was the hair, maybe. I... 
I got to know him as friend. Friend. All I did was go to church, spend time with him, read the word. For many, many years, no dating, no dating. I was 26 probably before I had a first date, really. And um, I got to know him as friend. And now I'm learning a whole different side of God, a whole different side of him as pastor, as a pastor. I'm learning such, I'm learning him for other people now. You see, the levels change. The prayers change. My relationship with, with him has changed. And I grow more impassioned with him because every year he shows me a different dynamic about his character, his likeness, his love, his truth, his presence, because it's an ever-evolving relationship that gets you more and more impassioned with him. Amen? Hallelujah. Number five, power. Everybody say power. The person who develops a secret place in God. Everybody say secret place. You will develop power. Power to say no to things that have, you, have had you bound. Power to walk in victory. How many need victory in their lives today? Is there, there, there are things in all of our lives that seem to have us held and bound. But when you find the secret place in God, one of his promise, one of his promises, the Bible says, behold, I've given ye power to trample on serpents to cast out devils, to heal the sick. God wants to give you such power that you do not have to stand in prayer lines any longer. Oh, I know the pastors would not like this. You know why they don't want to preach this? Because they want you to keep coming back in the prayer lines. They want you to keep coming back. You know what my goal is? To get you here for a year, empower you, and get you out of here. And to walk in victory. To go out and do the same for somebody else. Now, we, you come back on Sunday to come celebrate what God did for the rest of the week, but you're not coming back to get prayed for. Come on, come on. You're coming back. You're coming back to celebrate all the power and all the victory and all the demons you casted out, all the people that you got to encourage, all the salvations that, 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 that happened as a result of you preaching and ministering God's word, okay? God wants to give you power. Everybody say power. power. I got the power. Who remembers that song? You cannot walk away from spending time with God and not have power. So something happens between two o'clock Sunday, a couple of hours, until you get back here 10 a.m. next Sunday. Do you ever, who feels encouraged when they leave church? Why? We get to spend an hour and a half by spending time in his presence. But guess what? Newsflash. It doesn't have to stop outside of these four walls. God desires, listen, the key to victory is intimacy. The key to victory, the key to power, the key to provision is the secret place. Spending time with him privately. What does that look like? I told you, you can spend time with him in that cubicle. I spent time as 15 years as a painter on a ladder. On a ladder. I don't have hair on one side of my leg because my leg rested up against the ladder for 15 years. And that's no kidding. I spent time with God, put my earphones in and ministered to the Lord. That's no different than David practicing on sheep and sheep herding. He was a king, yet he spent time with God. He learned to play his harp while shepherding sheep. 
And so you can find time with God. That's what we're all missing, guys. All the answers to each one of our prayers is summed up in this, is in the secret place. The answer to your prayer, lack of passion, your lack of power, our lack of power, our lack of whatever thereof, is simply answered in this one thing that I would dwell in the secret place of the Most High God and dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. We would end our prayer lines if we, if we, if we got this right. We would shut down therapist's office. We would shut down counseling sessions. If we got this one thing, if we learned to spend time with God, we would put doctors out of business. Amen? The key to the secret place there's no, I wrote it like this. The, the key reason for the secret place is nothing else. Well, I want, I want you to watch this. Mo, can you just grab me a chair? Grab me a chair. You have to unlock one of them. Here's what I thought of. I want you to kind of put it on my back here. I'm going to hook it right here. Something like that. There you go. Now watch me. Thank you. Watch this. This is what our life looks like. Job loss, change, relational hurt, marital dysfunction, can't pay our bills, frustrated at home, God ain't answering our prayers, so many burdens, so many issues that we're going through. But here's what happens when you develop a secret place. When you learn to love on them each week, Monday, Tuesday, it's still happening. It didn't stop on Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You're spending time with him because here's the thing. There's nothing else allowed in the secret place when you get there except for you and him. Nothing else can come with you. So the more you spend time with him, Lord, I love you. Lord, I praise you. You're reading your word. I'm focused on you, Lord. I'm not going to let these things get me down. I'm going to choose to just focus on you. I'm not going to focus on my bills. I'm not going to focus on my partner. Come on, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I'm not gonna focus on everything that's going on around me. And little by little, as you enter into the secret place, all that stuff begins to fall off of you because the only thing that God permits to come into the Holy of Holies, come on, come on. The only thing that God allows in the Holy of Holies is you and him. So this is the key to everything. Every, this will solve all your problems right here is if you could just learn to get into the secret place because nothing else can come. And all provision is met. All of your passions will be met. All of your prayers will be met because he has become the center thing. This one thing that I have desired and that I will seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. People ask me all the time and I tell them, yes, I'm a church boy. No doubt about it. I am a church boy. I love church. I would have church every day of the week if I knew y'all could tolerate it because I love being in the house of the Lord. Because I am learning, I haven't learned fully yet, I am learning that the answer to all of my life's issues and problems and my burdens and my weariness and all of these things that happen throughout the week and that we begin to carry is fulfilled in the secret place. Have you developed a secret place with God? I want you to ask yourself that. I didn't ask if you come to church on Sunday. I'm not asking you if you read your Bible at least once this week. I'm not, I'm not asking you that. Is he your all in all? Is he your focus? 
Stand with me this morning. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.